Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But like I said, we're trying to make the like the favorite show of a very specific and small group of people. Um, and so like if our addressable audience is 500 people and we get 450 of them, then, I, you know, I would argue that's a pretty damn popular show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Podcast Perspectives. I'm your host, Jeff Umbro, founder and CEO of The Podglomerate. The Podglomerate is a company that produces, distributes and monetizes podcasts. You can learn more at thepoglomerate.com or shoot us an email at listen at thepoglomerate.com. On this show, we talk to industry leaders who are building the next generation of the podcast industry, whether that be producers, distributors, marketers, just ideas people. Today on the show, we're talking to Harry Morton. Harry is the founder and CEO of Lower Street, which is a branded podcast company out of the UK. There's a lot of really interesting things that we talk about today. Harry is very impressive. His organization has grown tremendously over the last few years. He works with organizations like PepsiCo, Stanford, Hewlett Packard, Booking.com, and he makes shows that go beyond just like a narrative chat show where we can explain the brand to the listener. And he really tries to make storytelling the centerpiece of, of the shows that he's putting out and tells people about a brand through initiatives where they get to know the brand. It is like a really new-ish kind of, of podcasting. It's been around for 10, 20 years, but what Harry and his team at Lower Street are doing is trying to move this into kind of like the next phase. Harry and I met a few months ago in the UK at the podcast show in London, and we've been fast friends ever since. We're both agency founders, so we dive into that a lot. But I hope you all enjoy the interview. And thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the show, Harry. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. I wanted to start by just asking kind of like how you got your start. You you started Lower Street, which is a branded podcast agency. And there's a lot that we're going to get into about what that is, what that means, what you do every day. But I feel like often it's a very particular kind of person that starts their own agency or services company. So like, how did you get from point A to point B? Yeah, a very sort of masochistic kind of person. Yes. So I've been in audio basically my whole life. My mom taught piano. I grew up in a house that was surrounded by music. So like sound was always a part of my life. And I went to university for, to study music and music technology specifically. And I left that and went into audio post-production, worked in a, a post-production house in London, which was kind of in the advertising industry. So that's kind of where I got my start. And I worked there for a couple of years in, as an assistant producer, but eventually 
wound up getting fired because I lost the voiceover recordings from a session from a uh, bleach advert. There's a bleach brand called Domestos <laughs> over here. And I, uh, I specifically remember losing the recordings of that. Uh, and that was the end of my time at that particular studio. But I, but to be honest, until that point, I was loathing life. I hated it. I was like, this is what I thought was going to be my dream job. And it turned out it was it was loathsome. It's it's never like Mad Men, right? Everybody thinks that they're about to be Don Draper. It, totally. It was miserable, but kind of got a bit of experience. I went from there to basically as a, a kind of reaction to that, I went and moved into sales and marketing and ended up working in sales in the kind of B2B for the next kind of like six or seven years. So completely separate from audio, but really understanding marketing, sales, and and kind of the world of B2B. And it was basically during that whole time, I spent my time listening to podcasts to educate myself on how to start my own business. I knew that's what I wanted to do. What's the timestamp on this? What year? So that, that would have been kind of the period of, I, I guess, like 2012 to 2017, maybe 2011 to 2017. I was doing kind of sales and marketing job. It, they were in London and then that led me to Australia. I worked there for a couple of years and then came back. And yeah, just spent a ton of time listening to podcasts to, to sort of learn about how I'd start a business and what that could even be. And then the light bulb probably took a little too long to go off, but I, I realized that, hey, I've got skills in this particular thing, this medium that I'm listening to all the time. There's some value I have to add here. So in 2000, very end of 2016, beginning 2017, I launched Lower Street in my underpants in my bedroom yeah i was saying we trying to project this image of an agency but it was very much just me and had sort of slowly built up from there and it's really since i guess 2019 20 things have really kind of scaled significantly and we've been able to go from working with a couple of great shows to to some kind of really big brands and doing some some great projects we're really proud of so it's been a, a slow and steady journey here I love that. And you and I have a lot of overlap when it comes to like starting our own agencies and mine wasn't my underwear in the bedroom. Mine was my parents' basement. Nice. And yeah, it was, uh, I sent an email out to like 200 of my closest friends and family, uh, saying that I'm sending this for my parents' basement. Please help me get out of it. Uh, <laughs> Beautiful. And, yeah. I'm, I still dread that email. I have nightmares about it, but you have a really interesting, and I don't, I think for some people rare, but for a lot of people, not rare experience in terms of getting into the podcast space. Cause when you were doing your agency work, I feel like it, it, you're doing this consumer like advertising and creating these videos that are going to be on people's TVs or Facebook feeds or whatever, but you're not selling, it, it's not B2C, like you're actually selling this stuff to agencies and to big corporations who are buying this stuff. And then they're the ones that are going to go out and place it or the agency might. But so there's a little bit of a disconnect because I think a lot of people, when they hear advertising, are like, oh, you get to go and talk to the mom and pop shops and figure out what's going to work for their customers. But really you're not, you're working with these like fortune 500 companies that are going to, you know, give you a thousand deadlines that you're never going to meet and pay you too little. And you're not going to have enough help to do it. So it always makes me chuckle a little bit when I hear somebody who has that experience and then goes, okay, I'm going to do this for other brands for in the podcast space. Like that'll be better. That'll be easier. Uh, <laughs> so like when you were listening, you know, 2011 to 2017 or whatever, were you listening to like commercial shows or were you listening to more B2B shows? So specifically what I was listening to was like Pat Flynn was my gateway drug. I'm, I'm unashamed to admit that like the, the Pat Flynn show was my First thing, and then that led me to Tim Ferriss, and, I, and then I read The 4-Hour Work Week, and then The Tropical MBA, and Starts for the Rest of Us, and all these kinds of shows. That was the stuff that was influencing me, it was like, how could I bootstrap a business? Because I didn't want to raise money, and I didn't know how to raise money, and no one was going to invest in some kid in his underpants in his spare room. 
So that wasn't going to work for me. I had to figure out how to like how I could build something from from nothing. And so the only way I saw to do that was through services because like I could just trade my time for money and then figure out how I could charge more money than I had time and then fill in the blanks, you know. And and just to break this down, because I think people throw this word around all the time and a services based business is uh, you're providing services to other companies and organizations. In your case, you are providing podcast production and marketing help to businesses. So I do want to kind of break this down to like the core elements. What is B2B marketing? It's the same as any marketing. We're trying to influence the people that are the ideal buyers for the stuff that we have to sell. And I think the difference between B2B and B2C is that B2C, we're oftentimes, we're selling to a much broader spectrum of people, usually for a much smaller investment. So like the difference between selling a mattress and selling a year's worth of consulting is, you know, the difference of a great number of zeros and a much more, I guess, a much more defined market that we have to try to attract in B2B, right? That customer that's looking to buy a year's worth of consulting services, there's very far fewer people that are looking for that than are looking to buy a Casper mattress. Now, I'm, I'm actually wondering though, like, let's pretend Casper wants to make their own podcast about sleep or something. How would you look at that as opposed to Casper buying a bunch of ads on existing podcasts? What would that conversation look like? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we really do tend to focus more on B2B and we can get into why, but I think it's super interesting. I think I, I really love B2C podcasts because there's a lot of creative opportunity there because effectively what Casper doesn't want to do is sit there and make a 30 minute infomercial because nobody's going to listen to a 30 minute infomercial every week. So what they have to do instead is go, okay, who's our ideal buyer? We can't speak to everybody that wants to buy a mattress because that's just every human on earth. So what's our ideal buyer that we want to make a show for? And let's say it's like, I don't know, millennials in the state of New York who earn over $100,000 a year and they like NFL or something. The brief then is to figure out, okay, how do we make an NFL New York focused podcast? This is a terrible example, but you get the idea. That's just fun, right? That just people just enjoy listening to because what Casper want to do is spend time with that audience. And then the next time they think you're buying a mattress, they're going to think of Casper because they hang out with Casper all the time. So they're not going to be saying, okay, here's our product. Go buy it today. Instead, they're like, Here's our target audience. What can we make that they're going to genuinely love and choose to listen to on a regular basis? How do we make that? And then by making that, we're going to be aligning our brand with that stuff and we're going to be top of mind when they think of buying a mattress. The alternative to that is they could go out and they could say, okay, we're going to buy New York Times adverts on all New York Times uh, shows or just on their sports stuff that we think is most relevant. And we're going to place an ad, which is much more direct response. Just buy a mattress today. Here's a coupon code to get your discount. Those are two very different plays in the different ways that we could use podcasting. And that's, I don't want to say unique, but different to the B2B kind of play in podcasting as I see it. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. What is an example of a quote-unquote branded podcast that you think is like exceptional? So Bring Back Bronco was uh, from 
Pacific content, who's a competitor and therefore evil. No, I'm kidding. They're <laughs> awesome. Um, and they made this, this incredible show, Bring Back Bronco, which I think is just a really great example of trying to rekindle a culture around, you know, something that had a real brand as something that like really meant a lot to a huge amount of Americans. And they portrayed that through awesome storytelling. I think that's a, a really great B2C example of podcasting. There's a couple of great examples of shows like that where it really tries to connect with the consumer because it's some kind of beloved brand. Like Inside Trader Joe's, I know, is a an often cited example, but they do episodes where they'll kind of like tell you where your favorite foods are from and who's making them and the farmers and the producers and everything. What is an example of a really bad or poorly produced branded podcast? Yeah, nothing's like immediately coming to mind. But yeah, the, I get the, the, the trends, the themes of bad branded podcasts are ones that kind of do what I said to not do just a minute ago, which is make it an infomercial. Like I think a lot of brands get really tempted to go, okay, this is part of our marketing. We've got to sell stuff here. And so they just talk about themselves and their products and their services. And that sucks because who wants to listen to that? It's an ad. Like nobody wants to listen to that. The trick is to basically take the bet. And this is what more and more brands are understanding because they're seeing it being done elsewhere. But I think it doesn't always kind of make complete logical sense to people that our goal isn't to sell our product and service right now. Our goal is to just create a thing that our buyers want to spend their time listening to. I'm I'm going to spend half an hour telling you about why this breakfast cereal is is what you should be eating. Right. So Harry, I know that you kind of have this idea of of what makes a good quality branded podcast. I think that is easily identifiable and displayed in like listenership rates and numbers and downloads and consumption. But historically, with very, very few exceptions, narrative commercial podcasts are going to be more popular than branded shows. And I know that that's a weird blanket statement to make, but it is arguably true. What can you and what have you learned from like a commercial success that you can then implement for a branded business podcast? That's an interesting. It's an interesting question in terms of sheer numbers. It's yeah, you, it's hard to argue that Serial is not going to outperform like Acme Corp's show. But like I said, we're trying to make the favorite show of a very specific and small group of people. And so, like, if our addressable audience is five hundred people, and we get four hundred and fifty of them, then I, you know, I would argue that's a pretty damn popular show. But what have I learned from really successful big shows? I think just an overarching focus on really high quality storytelling is the thing that I've learned the most from the big hitters in podcasting, because I think it's frankly just something that not enough brands do. I think one of the things that I'm on a mission to fix is just like brands going, oh, I I see pod, I, I get it. It's just two people talking. I can do that. And they just stick two people in a room or on a Zoom call and record them using their laptop mics. And it's it's painful for us all. It's bland and it's boring and it's just gray mush that just joins the sea of noise in the world of the internet. Really, if brands are going to extract any value from doing a piece of content, they should actually genuinely make effort to make it a noteworthy piece of content, something that's actually worth the time of their listeners. Because you know they're trying to reach, oftentimes, brands are trying to reach really senior decision-making people with their content and senior decision-making people are busy and they've got better stuff to be doing and they could be listening to Serial. So we have to say, no, don't listen to Serial or the latest season of Serial. Come and listen to this podcast and here's why. And if the answer to the question, here's why, is because it's two old white dudes talking about technology like you have heard on every other podcast in the world, that's not enough to get me to click subscribe. 
brands that are doing really cool stuff in podcasting are the ones that get that it takes more than that and are willing to kind of invest the time and energy and to make something that actually involves true storytelling rather than just like an exchange of facts. So walk me through the process. Somebody, come, I come to you, I work at some SaaS company that will make your bookkeeping like 2% better every year. This is my budget. This is my timeline. What's the next step from start to finish? Like what's the process from ideation to actually publishing? Yeah. So the, f- the first step is to really obsess over who's the buyer we're trying to go after. So for accounting software, that could be any business owner, but we're going to say to the client, hey, I assume it's not every business owner we're going after here. So what is the segment we're going to go after? And they'll tell us who that might be. And when we can really understand who that target listener is, who are we trying to make this show for? We can really look to understand a whole bunch of stuff. So firstly, what are they doing day to day? What do they care about? But also the work that we can do on the podcast is like, what are they already listening to? What other shows do they consume? And what we like to do is build out like a, a competitive landscape, as we call it, for for the show. So what is the sort of neighborhood of shows that this podcast is going to sit inside of when it's launched? We just want to have a really good idea of the, the full spectrum of the stuff that is common among our specific chosen audience. Because then what that gives us the opportunity to do is determine what's already out there and what's working among the best shows in our category. Like what are the common themes that we want to make sure we learn something from and incorporate into our show? Because clearly that's what the market wants. But also where's their opportunity for us to do something that doesn't exist elsewhere? Where's the thing that only us as Acme Accounting Software Inc. can can provide? So yeah, really understanding the competitive landscape is super important. And that also informs then how we're going to think about promoting this podcast once it's created. You know, if we understand where the audience is already hanging out, we know where to get it in front of to to try and get that audience going as well. That all sounds amazing. But like when you're really getting into the nitty gritty of it, like who are you choosing for the host of the show? Like how are you training them on how to speak into a microphone? How are you working with their schedules to actually make sure that they can record this thing in some kind of regular cadence? Those are the things I think that usually trip when on our end anyway, that's what always trips up the client. Yeah, they they do they do trip up the the client, and they're, they're often the, the the things that come up in conversation earliest to to someone that's never podcasted before. Those are the things they immediately jump to, and I think my focus is always trying to shift the focus away from like don't don't worry about all that. We'll sort that stuff out. That's fine, but like unless we make something that's worth making and that your audience actually wants, it doesn't matter. But anyway, yes, once we get to the kind of practical side of things, the host of the show and the technical aspects, it so depends on the brand and who's behind it and how much money they've got, honestly, because, you know, one of the ways that we can massively increase the the exposure and the audience that our show has the opportunity to get in front of is by picking a host who has that audience already. So we can get an outside host that's not inside the organization. A lot of brands choose to host it internally because they want their voice to be truly a representation of the brand. Or sometimes it's an ego thing. Like this executive really wants to be in front of the mic. Absolutely. So oftentimes we'll we'll have folks reach out to us. We want to make a podcast or specifically I want to make a podcast. The person that's really driving it, that's holding the budget is like a podcast fan or used to be in like radio back at university or something. And they just like are really excited by it and they want to do that. And that's awesome. They're oftentimes some of the best clients to work with, but it means that yes, they're the nailed on host for this thing because they're super excited about it. The, the biggest challenge for us typically, because obviously, as you can tell from my accent, I'm based in the UK. The team is based between here and North America, Europe and beyond, but we are fully remote as a team. So that means we're generally not in the city of our clients always. 
So we're having to kind of coach folks through this remotely. So that means we have to really work hard to think about what's the recording environment you're going to be in? What's the equipment you're going to use? How do we coach folks on how to, how to use that? And so it means a lot of video calls like this to kind of coach them through that process. For, for better or worse, I am very familiar with that. <laughs> so you mentioned a lot of this depends on budget. We all know how economics work, but I was hoping you could walk us through uh, you don't have to give numbers or anything, but like, how do people charge for production? Is it like a project fee? Is it hourly? Is there a development charge? Like, how do you guys do it? We don't tend to think about it as an hourly thing. I much prefer to sort of think about it as a deliverable, as a value to the client, because I don't think a client really cares how many hours it takes us to make a podcast. They just care about, is this a good podcast or a bad podcast? And so we tend to think about it more just in terms of what we're delivering but in how we scope out projects is is very much a case by case. So in some cases we're doing a project, so a single season where we might do eight to twelve episodes for a for a client, and we just we run with those episodes. It comes to an end, and then we think about renewing for season two. But lots of clients will also want to produce a show which is always on. It's just out every week or every two weeks uh, or multiple times a week. So that really varies. So one one version will have like a monthly retainer, and one version will have like a project cost for the whole season. Uh, but to your point, we do have like a strategy cost, you know, we call it like the launch package. And it's really just about kind of developing the the strategy for the show. Like I said, talking about the, the listener understanding all of that stuff, developing the concept for the show, coaching folks on the gear that they need and how to work and use all of that and setting up all the, the technical stuff and the, you know, the distribution side and your analytics and all that kind of stuff. So we, we kind of go through a lot of work on the front end to get the show up and running and then after that point it's like a, a per episode rate or a per season rate or like i said a monthly retainer if it's like an always on show you you mentioned that you'd like to get if you had nine out of ten of your listeners that you're actually looking for and targeting for that particular brand you're happy but how are you measuring that? Like what kind of metrics or KPIs are you paying attention to? Yeah, it's really hard, isn't it? It's like, it's it's tough. So the KPIs that we really care about and pay attention to are the consumption rate of a podcast. That is a, a very clear proxy for, is this content resonating? Do people care about what we're saying? Because if the consumption rate is 5%, then clearly you're doing something wrong. But if the if the consumption rate is 100%, then clearly you're you're making something that people care about and want to listen. So that's like a primary piece of data that we follow. And I think everyone in podcasting that knows what they're doing feels the same. It's always the most painful conversation because we work with quite a few shows where we don't produce the content. Mm -hmm. So, it, it's, so it's something you don't have any control over. <laughs> yeah. And it, most of the time it's really, really great. But like when you find something that's worth flagging, it's always a tough conversation because no matter how you frame it, you're basically saying like, you need to do better with this. Yes. Your baby is ugly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's hard. It's really, really hard. Yeah. The, the, the thing that I think we all need to do better at and something I'm really thinking about a lot at the moment is, so we talked about, you, you know, again, you said like, how can you know that you're speaking to the right audience? I think we need to do better at a combination of, of surveying and focus groups to really understand from our specific target audience, is this performing well? surveys are notoriously difficult to get people to respond to again if we've got a c-suite exec target audience like that's a hard ask to get people to fill out a form but i think anything that we can do to get real meaningful feedback from our target audience is really important and right now the tools are getting better 
and I have every faith that they will help us in the long run. But as of today, it's hard. I mean, most clients come into us and they say, I want X number of downloads as if that means something and they, they can assign some value to that. But it's kind of meaningless number. Go, it goes back to the ego. It goes back to the ego. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's And the same with chart ranking. You know, one of the things that oftentimes gets internal teams incredibly excited is like, oh, we hit the top five in this category. And that is, by the way, like not to detract from that, it's a great achievement. That's wonderful. But it doesn't actually mean anything. Yeah, there's a million ways you can achieve that. Yeah, internal teams love these vanity metrics and that's cool. But I think what really matters is who's listening and, and how are they listening. And really, we can only find that information as of right now from asking them. I've probably told this story on the show already, so I apologize for any listeners who have heard this, but my first podcast was in 2014. It was called Writers Who Don't Write. I hosted the show and I would speak to authors that I loved about you know their storytelling and careers and whatever. I was ready to throw in the towel because I was just, you know, we were getting a couple hundred downloads here and there and it was a lot of fun, but I don't know that I was like actually reaching anyone. And a woman in Ireland wrote to me saying that she used to listen to these episodes when she was milking her cows. Amazing. And like that email kept me going for three more <laughs> years. So yeah, I'm just like, I got to do it for, for Kieran or, or whoever it was, you know, it was so good. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, the reason I mentioned that story is because I think that you can dive into metrics or KPIs as much as you want, but like really what it comes down to is like, what are you trying to achieve? Is your goal just to like make someone who's milking her cows happy? Or is it to make a couple sales? Or is it to increase your thought leadership and your marketing leverage or collateral? You have to answer that question before you can decide what to pay attention to. This is a very particular question for you, but Lower Street is so good at really messaging what you do and the services and the value that you can provide to your clients. You're really concise and accurate and I go to your website or I watch one of your interviews or go on your Twitter like I know what I'm going to get. It, it's funny because you and I just met in person for the first time three four months ago and I feel like I've known you for years because of the way that you are like messaging and branding all of what you're doing and so I guess like I, my question is like how do you think about that like how intentional is it how much time do you spend to try and position you and your company in that space and it might be a dumb question. Maybe it's just like what naturally happens as you do the work. But I thought I would ask to see if you put any like thought and consideration into it. I mean, that's, that's wonderful to hear. Thank you for saying it. It's awesome. It's definitely on purpose, I guess. I wouldn't say necessarily that bleeds into until now, because it's actually something I'm currently focused on is like my personal brand and how what I'm talking about is something I'm putting effort into focusing on right now. So it's cool to hear that you think that what I say on Twitter is consistent with that, because I try not to complain too much about like the queue at the post office or, you know, the latest <laughs> vaccine that I just had or whatever. But no, on the on the website, the way that we message things, that was that was very particular. We spent a lot of time to think about who are we trying to reach and and what do they care about and how do we message that? And we work with a really talented copywriter, shout out Leanna Patch, she's awesome, who helped us to, to sort of refine that into the words that you see on the website. So it is something we think about a lot and it's something we're working on constantly because the podcasting space is changing, content marketing is changing and B2B marketing is changing all the time. And also, frankly, just in full transparency, one of the big challenges that we have is, is that what we offer is quite specific. It's podcasting for brands. That makes it really hard, for me at least, to kind of really speak to a very specific subset of our client base because we've got clients who are Fortune 500 massive brands and we've got mom and pop shop agencies on the other end who are also awesome clients. So we, we serve a huge spectrum of people because of what we do being so specific and niche. So it's really easy to talk about what we do in podcasting 
But to be able to position that in a way that that resonates equally with brand A and brand B is 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 super hard. So um, it's an ongoing challenge. But yeah, I appreciate the feedback, mate. Thank you. On that note, though, I'm curious because this is kind of a new distinction that I'm starting to see pop up. But you have these branded shops globally or in the US or, or North America, like Jar Audio, Pacific Content. But then you also have like the branded shops attached to some of the larger organizations like yes. Ruby at iHeart, yep. formerly Spotify Studios, now just Spotify. I think still Spotify Studios, actually. But do you find that you're competing against these like, you know, big monster shops like the Spotify's and Sirius's of the world? One of the really interesting things is that when we're speaking to folks about a, sh- a show, so rarely do they mention any of these names that you've just mentioned. So Fresh Air in the UK or Pacific Content or Jar Audio. It's pretty rare that they mention that they're speaking to these other companies. It's a pretty fragmented space at the moment, it seems to me. And the way that people are discovering the companies that they want to work with is also fragmented. And so I think what I see is the biggest challenge as I personally see it is really educating buyers in branded specifically, because the analogy I'm coming back to time and again at the moment is that to the untrained eye, so like a Toyota doesn't look that much different to like a high-end Mercedes, right? Like they both got four wheels, they both got a steering wheel, brakes, like they get you from A to B, they're vehicles, right? And so I think to the untrained B2B marketer's eye or ear, a podcast is a podcast. Are people talking on a mic and it's audio and you put it out on the internet? Yes, fine. And it's very difficult until they've had a conversation with us to understand the difference between what we do and what resonate recordings, let's say, or, you know, insert anyone who's just like, we'll edit your audio for 250 bucks or whatever it is, you know? It's so funny now because when you look at these branded agencies and marketing companies and everything else, like for the last decade, every one of these companies, for the most part, has been running on word of mouth. Like your CMO friend at one organization will tell their friend at another, I use Lower Street or Jar or whatever, you should go to them. Or maybe they're moving from one organization to another and like bringing the business and but now I do find that in 2023 and in the last couple of years, a lot of these organizations have gotten a lot smarter at like content marketing, email, web SEO, social media, doing interviews like this. And so it's, it's, it's very funny to me because it's like you have this homegrown industry that's starting to like, you know, it was born officially like 20 years ago and now it's in its early adulthood or teenage years or whatever. And I'm very interested to see kind of where this is 10 years from now because other industries like they live and breathe off of like their online marketing savvy. Absolutely. We're, we're headed that way. It's been the wild west for the first little while here. And I think that what we're seeing now is the name of the game for me at this point is education. Like I think everybody knows that podcasting is a thing. Everybody knows that it was the hot thing in 2020. I think there's a slight perception that that hot thing has now died and everyone's kind of like bored of it. But I, but we, we all know that that's just like the correction and we're just continuing on our path of continuous growth. But I think that- Yeah, this thing's not even close to dead. Right. But if you if you were to look at 20 years ago, video or social media advertising no one really understood or knew what they were doing there either and it was this developing thing and agencies were popping up and again it was that word of mouth thing i think that's exactly the part the life cycle that we're in our job right now is to educate marketers that are buying this stuff on what it means how to use it how it works what it is what it isn't and i think in another five ten years time it's going to be very comparable to what we see in in other sides of digital marketing so we're all going to have to start upping our sales and content marketing game to to stay in line with that basically 
which terrifies me, but also welcome to podcast <laughs> perspectives. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Harry, we'll let you get going, but thank you so much for joining us today. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Cheers. Thank you to Harry Morton for joining us on this episode of Podcast Perspectives. You can find Harry on Twitter at Podcast Harry, or you can head to LinkedIn and search for Harry Morton, where he tells us he's going to be very active over the next few months. Have questions, tips, or podcast recommendations? You can follow me on all of the socials at Jeff Umbro, J-E-F-F-U-M-B-R-O. We'll also put that in the show notes. Podcast Perspectives is a production of The Podglomerate. If you're looking for help producing, distributing, or monetizing your podcast, you can find us at podglomerate.com. Shoot us an email at listen at thepodglomerate.com or follow us on all social platforms at Podglomerate. Thank you to Chris Boniello, Henry Lavoy, and Jordan Aaron for producing this show. Thank you for listening, and I will catch you next week.